This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, where, hey, it's Father's Day this weekend. For Father's Day, I can tell you as a father, there's nothing more I'd appreciate than Wagyu steak from Zupan's and having my sons grill it for me. What about you, Court? Well, I don't have any any sons, and I'm not necessarily sure I would trust my 14-year-old around the grill, Chris, but that sounds that sounds pretty great, and you can pick those up at your local zoo pans. Good. I was just referring to you enjoying it. That's all. Not the oh, okay, cooking sure, process. Yes. yes. I, w- I would enjoy that. Hint, hint, hint. I'll do the grilling. Other things you can throw on that grill, Chris, is the Harris Ranch prime rib steak, lobster tail grillers. How about some asparagus grown locally over over the river in Washington? That sounds good. Or best yet, ooh, Ruby Jewel ice cream sandwiches. It's not hot summery yet, but you know we're we're getting there. You can get a great assortment of flavors, two ninety nine each at your local zoo pans. And of course, they're always doing some great collaborations. They've got a great dad beer available from Berlick Brewing. So don't miss out on these great deals. Many more at your local zoo pans. Three locations to serve you, Lake Oswego, West Burnside, and McAdam. And information always found at zoopans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm co-host, Court Johnson, here on Right at the Court, Fork. Court, I haven't referenced because we're not always put, turning the video on. We're not in the studio the way we used to be. But I haven't referenced. That's a really nice hat you've got there, that Oregon hat. Thank you. Yeah, no, this is the uh, this is the go to Oregon hat. I think if you go to the Made in Oregon store, it's one of the uh, it's one of their options there. I think that's where I first saw it, and then uh, I think for Father's Day, quite literally, it was given to me. So yeah, it's one of my oh, favorite hats. Very nice. I have a few. I have a lot of hats. Too many, <clears throat> but I there's one I got from Oregon the cannabis company that is really cool so yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna promote made in oregon i'm gonna promote that one because it's a, it's so nice i don't even wear it i just have it hanging up as uh, and i see it when i walk by it no, so. it's, it's it's one of those hats it just looks <laughs> nice on a on a rack or on a on a hook exactly it's kind of it's kind of got the the what is it called when it's the flat bat or i don't know when it it's the completely flat bill yeah Uh, it's not really my style so uh, but the hat looks cool it's kind of the the new trend and in fact somebody pointed this out to me the other day i'm I'm not sure if it's true or not but it seems to be more of a west coast bill trend more than a than an east coast but um oh interesting or maybe it's a younger versus older because I was resistant, uh, Chris, to the um, <laughs> to the flat bill, and then I started wearing a couple hats. This hat, as you can kind of tell, you can see it, nobody else can. It's kind of flat, but not not as flat as I think the ones you're talking about. <laughs> right, right. Well, I have I've had a hard time getting used to it, and then hats are weird because they get they tend to get smaller and they don't look as good on one's head when they just don't have a little bit of poof at the top of it so uh anyway i have a lot of them and i always have my current favorites so yeah. uh, the one i with the one i'm wearing now i bought in spain so I, I like that a lot anyway no one's listening to this for hats but speaking of hats i noticed yesterday that our guest eric russ has you know he has dreadlocks and they're rather long yeah he can't put a hat on 
or he can't fit one. There's not one that fits him. So I'm hoping we hear about that in this podcast. And making a note of that, this is one of those rare times, Chris, where we actually... I have not talked to Eric yet before we're recording our intro just because our logistics. So this is, if we're being fully transparent here, that conversation is happening tomorrow, but uh, due to your schedule and mine, we had to do our intro today. But yeah, today we are talking to Eric and his partner, Larry Clauser, founder of Pono Brewing. He's also the uh, brewmaster there, uh, who, by the way, Chris, I have seen on, not in person, but on like Facebook, uh, I've seen him wear a hat. So he does wear a hat. Uh, but Chris, Eric is one of those guys where he just, his happiness abounds and I want to figure out where, where that comes from. Cause he just seems like he's just got maybe the best outlook on life of anybody I've ever met. Um, and, uh, I want a little bit of that in my life. Um, so we're going to talk about that, but also just like why he feels like my best friend. And I've only hung out with him a couple of times. Yeah, no, I get the same feeling. You know, I met Eric when he started coming to my events a long time ago. And he, I, you know, he didn't really say why he was there, but I kind of figured out, first of all, he's, he loves food and he loves the food scene. So he's put yeah. himself in the middle of it in the beer industry. And so that way he gets to play around in a lot of things that he likes. We, we talked to him a long time ago when he just started um he just started with pono and he had just been with doing some things in the cannabis industry so at any rate when i met eric he came to my events and he was just really cool and uh i really liked him and you know i think i introduced him to a few people in the business and i'm glad i did and you know what he doesn't need me to introduce him to anybody the guy is very outgoing and uh, a lot of fun to be around and you are so right He's, he's everybody's friend, and I think uh, there will probably be a lot of people listening to this podcast today who know him. Yep, and if you want a little more Eric Russ in your life, we did talk to him a couple of years ago, Chris. Episode 165 was the first time we spoke with uh, Eric, so if you want to go back into the Right at the Fork archives, you can go and listen to his first time. So again, Eric joins us with Pono Brewing founder Larry Clauser. They're going to talk about how they met, what they've been doing down in the pandemic, how they had to pivot you like that word chris um i'd also say that i would assume you know they've been working with each other for a certain amount of time that they in, enjoy doing so but the downside to this this is what i got to point this out there the downside to this is that uh you know doing remotely we don't get any treats because i believe the first time eric came on the show didn't didn't he bring a keg with him into the studio if i, I, don't, I don't know he brought I samples I, that's all i remember Oh, okay. I the, particularly like his pineapple beer. Yeah. But um, also, as long as you're back in the archive, anybody's back in the archives looking for that episode 165, why don't you, they should just subscribe and, uh, and share the podcast with friends, too. Oh, please. Please do. <laughs> that was my way of segueing into the task that we should take on every time we do a podcast, but we don't. Right. Yep. Like and subscribe, as the kids say on the YouTube channels, and uh, we'd appreciate it. So here it is, our conversation with Larry Clauser and Eric Russ of Pono Brewing. 
Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years now, Ringside has been providing the best in steaks and has been the home for the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Now featuring dining in their updated dining room and al fresco in one of the nicest outdoor dining spaces in the city. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com and while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about the exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. Featuring the best chef-centric experiences in Portland since 2010. Go to portlandfoodadventures.com to see about the exciting trips our host Chris Angeles leads to places you have dreamed of going, like Western Sicily this September. It's time to stretch your international wings and expand your culinary horizons. Let Portland Food Adventures do all the planning to the best dining and culture all over Europe and elsewhere with Portlanders you'll get to know and enjoy. Portland Food adventures.com I think it would be appropriate right now if we all just took a moment to tell everybody yeah, maybe if it's if we're not in a secure location because we're all coming from three different locations each unique Larry actually was in the middle of a delivery Right, yeah, Larry, where are you? Because I can hear some background stuff uh, for sure. I'm at sidelines. He said it wasn't too bad, so hopefully... Oh, it's not too bad. Okay. It's enjoyable. Okay. Yeah, they turned the music down on this half to, to help out, so... Yeah. So Larry Larry was making a delivery. He's at sidelines. Uh, where are you coming to us from, Eric? Uh, live from my dining room table. Oh, very nice. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Mine, mine was also as equally sexy as that. However, I, I've been doing some recording <laughs> at, at my dining room table, and I just put in hardwoods in, in that part of the house, and now sound just bounces all over the place. So <laughs> right. as you two can tell, the, the listener can't see this, but as you can t- tell, I have uh, sequestered myself into my 17-year-old daughter's bedroom. She's She's got this little nook. And so I like it. It's a I've good look. Sque- yeah, I've, I've squeezed myself into here. It's the, it's well, the quietest. I'm real curious about what the sign says above your head. No, no I something. Think, I, I think it says no weenies allowed. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That, is a, that is a very 17 year old girl appropriate. Man, I, I got to tell you, uh, Larry, you've got kids, right? I don't know how do. old they are. I got three, like, three boys. Three boys. Okay, so I'm I'm kind of the opposite side, uh, and I know Eric, you've got nephews and nieces, so you can you can relate to this. You, yeah. you, you don't have any kids that I, that I don't know about, or do you? That, not that I know of either. Okay, all right. The classic joke right there. It's good. <laughs> um, like yeah, no, it's just it's it's just interesting. You know, I'm I'm in my mid 40s, and my daughter's 17, and she's like the most brilliant person I know because I, you know, this whole idea of you know the upcoming generation, if one. Once this generation that's my my daughter's age get in charge, I think we're going to be okay because the way they think about the world and appreciate other people and respect one another, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, it's just us dumb 
dumb people maybe our age that I think are going to screw everything up. But uh, it's yeah, how you, it works, isn't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> if you were to take a tour of her of her bedroom here, it's like the most bizarre thing that like my my two daughters are suddenly into like Radiohead and Weezer. I, I can't oh, the I, classics. I can't figure out. The, I can't. <laughs> if you're a Weezer fan, I apologize. I can't quite figure it out. My wife and I don't know where that comes from, but it's there. Um, but it's I like mean, it could right, be worse. It could it could definitely be worse. So, so yeah, so yeah. So thank thank you both for taking some time on on this Thursday afternoon and, and, oh, and chatting. Um, we've had on uh, Eric's actually he's a two time returning champion uh, on right. the uh, show. This is your third time returning champion. Larry, your first. Yeah. Um, but does uh, he get a belt or anything or a trophy? No, I think the belt is uh, is when you're on five times. Oh, that's okay. right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, got two I, more to go. I, I, yeah, two more to go. I, we might have, uh, you know, like a kazoo that we can send to you. <laughs> Perfect. Your, Perfect. Your, uh, your price for, for being here today. But I think a lot has changed, and I, and I want to get into this uh, from the last time we, we had Eric on, the first time we had Eric on, which was back in, I want to say 2018, maybe, two, was two, I think it was 2018. Uh, because your your uh, I believe, and you can you can correct me. Your uh, mode of operation has changed drastically. Obviously, I think pandemics changed some of that. But um, Eric gave us kind of the background on how Pono Brewing came to be. Talked about you, Larry, and now we have Larry on to maybe correct all of the misinformation. <laughs> I do. I do often lead misinformation campaigns uh, on Larry. I, I, I went oh, back no. and listened to it, and, and I wrote down. Uh, and I don't try to take too many notes on it, but I, but um, um, you know your your journey into uh, being a brewmaster into the in the world of beer is is different from maybe from Eric's, I would assume. But somehow you guys came together. Um, but I but you know as we as we have Larry here, and Eric has told us a little bit about his past. I want to catch everybody up in terms of your background. My understanding, Larry, is is that you're actually from Portland. But you came to us from the beer world from Phoenix. Am I connecting the dots correctly? Cool. Very close, uh, Tucson, Arizona. So just just yeah. south of Phoenix. But That's uh, right. yeah, yeah. So you know, from Portland, moved to Arizona, and was trying to to transfer and go to school down there. I a lot of my credits I have up here. I should have done more work on researching that. They didn't want to take a lot of my credits, so I wasn't happy having to go retake some of the same classes all over again. And so I decided to look for work when I was down there, and I literally just stumbled uh, upon my first brewing job. Um, I, I literally walked in to apply to be a, a you know a server or a bartender, and uh, which uh, I was doing that as well. But he uh, got excited, I guess, because I was from Portland, Oregon, and they took a trip. Yeah, the owners took a trip to Portland and went to McMenamins, and McMenamins actually motivated them to want to um, open their own spot. And so, uh, I think it, I think it was IBM. This, the owner worked for they 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 laid off a ton of uh, their employees. He got a big you know payout from it and opened his own spot. And next thing you know, I got hired and I was helping in the in the brewery and and then kind of. It's where I learned a lot of bad habits, but I also learned, uh, you know, the fundamentals of brewing. I had, I had never homebrewed or anything. Like I, it was just by pure luck. It wasn't something I was even looking for, but I said yes. And then, you know, fast forward today, moved back to Portland, 
and uh, had a, a short uh, a bit over at uh, it's a horrible name, but it's a it, it's a chain that didn't do well in Oregon. I think they're all maybe gone now, but or maybe it's one out in on the west side somewhere. But it's called BJ's Brew House, and I don't know whatever it was called. But um, there's been a lot of other great brewers that uh, had worked there as well. So. Um, John Harris of Ecliptic worked there, um, as well as a few others that uh, that are, have a name for themselves. And so, just wasn't getting good hours, you know. When you're when you're there and you got John Harris there, the, the legend. It's hard when uh, a no name and a nobody to get some good uh, brewery hours and anything else. So I left. I left the beer world for a while. Went to telecom. Economy crashed. I was like, you know what? I'm going back to beer. Beer's it's good when it's bad and it's great when it's good as far as how the industry goes so uh fast forward and here we are today times are tough let's drink a beer oh times are great let's celebrate with a beer there you yeah. go yeah, i think <laughs> like i think i saw somebody on on facebook just post a meme that like gasoline is now more expensive than beer so uh, <laughs> right people should uh, not not drink and drive. Well, drink, can't drink, drive don't drive. Expensive. There, that's drink, exactly don't drive. Yes. <laughs> so I know Eric, you you also spent time. I, I think it was Tucson in Tucson as well. Maybe it was just uh, or maybe Phoenix. Were you there? Is that where you two met, or was that here back here in Portland? No, we 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 didn't overlap back in those days. I, I was up in um, Flagstaff. Okay. Um, I did have a job at a brewery, but it was as a prep cook at. Um, geez, what was it? Um, uh, flag brew. It was just flag brew, but yeah, I was in the back, you know, making hummus, uh, drinking plenty of the beer, but yeah, I wasn't on the, on the production side or anything. Um, no, Larry and I met up here through, um, uh, a friend of mine, um, had, uh, I had mentioned to him that I was pretty interested in the beer world and he is, uh, an engineer and was sharing office space with another engineer who happened to work on, um, I think they both worked on Gigantic's uh, space. What at this point, geez, eight, ten years ago. Uh, and he made the introduction. Larry had been kind of doing the same thing of, hey, I'm really looking to take this idea that I have and 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 start workshopping it with some some people around town that might think it's also a good idea that want to do their own thing. And they introduced us and we kind of just pretty much the first meeting, it was, you know, an hour of hour or two later of sitting there and sampling beers together and just talking about, you know, who we are as people and, you know, just kind of getting to the core of if you even want to do business with this person is for me, uh, based on the, the the character of the person so we kind of got down to that right off the bat and we kind of really aligned on a lot of those uh those life ideas you know and so that was the that was the launch i know that was geez larry do you even remember where that was now uh we met at uh oh my god apex was it apex we met at i think yeah 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 so yeah this guy was a this guy that I knew that was working with the guy he knew, his name's, uh, I've been talking a while, Gabe, and uh, he was an architect, engineer guy, and uh, he was part of this networking group that I was part of, just trying to be a sponge and 
soak up all the information I could about opening our own spot. It was an organization called Bing, Emergency Networking Group, and uh, just was there to just meet anybody and everybody I could and just, like I said, learn, learn everything I can. It's one thing to, to have worked at a brewery, but, you know, in a brewery, it's, it's not even close. And as much experience as I had, and I actually went to the supply side to learn that as well, which don't get me wrong, that, that taught me a lot, but it hum- opening Pono humbled me. Like I realized I probably only knew a third of what I knew. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, anyhow, it, um, it's humbled us. Here we are today. We made it. Luckily this, the, the, the breweries in town are very close are very tight. And just, I had built a lot of relationships and great friendships with, uh, you know, people at other breweries, whether they're the owners or brewers themselves. And man, like Eric and I, we relied heavily on that. You know, it was, it was hard. This was, it was a hard time to start a brewery. COVID hit not much longer after, um, you know, so we were, you know, what was it, Eric? We were two years old or two and a half years old when COVID hit, something like that. But man, I got to tell you, if it wasn't for people at other breweries that would help us out, whether it's loaning us equipment, advice, or just coming in and helping out, like there, there's too many names to name, but um, I'm really thankful for all the breweries that are out there that help each other make it through these hard times and us as a startup. And, and, and uh, Eric mentioned Gigantic. They're one of they're one of several, but they definitely stand out. Uh, both Van uh, and Ben were just instrumental on, on uh, some amazing, great advice and how to overcome some issues and and then just getting us involved with uh, uh, events as well with, as, a, as a newer startup. That's that's really hard when you've got a town that's full of established breweries. It's hard getting your name out there, and these guys were so helpful and grateful. I mean, I, I think we. Would, Hard to say we'd still be here. We probably would, but we wouldn't be where we're at by, by any means if it wasn't for everybody else hauling us out. So, um, not that we, you know, weren't working hard. We definitely were. We were we were busting our butts and hustling every single day, especially during COVID. I mean, I mean, I, you know, naturally Eric and I were panicking, but what do you do? You you just buckle down. You work harder, and uh, you we definitely went through some. Uh, serious mood swings from laughing to crying in this, you know, like five times a span of 10 minutes and uh, having nervous breakdowns. I think everybody probably did it in the service industry, but uh, <laughs> we, uh, we made it. And honestly, uh, we made it because we were draft only before COVID. We weren't even canning and COVID forced us to start canning and getting our beer out there. And so, you know, thankful to uh, stores like market of choice and new seasons who, who picked us up as a, as no one has ever canned before. It was great. And now they're like our best accounts. And, uh, I mean, Eric and I were literally at the brewery filling crawlers every day and taking orders online to go deliver crawlers just to make enough money to pay bills. I mean, you look back now and it seems funny or silly or just ridiculous, but that was what we had to do to survive. And um, and literally, you know, the the Holiday Elf Festival, people thankful to them. They felt sorry for us and moaned us there their crawler machine to use and uh i mean once again just a tight-knit community and uh it's not just breweries the whole service industry i mean eric eric's very well connected with restaurants you know chefs and restaurant owners i mean that's what took us to a whole new level as well we made a name for ourselves partnering with these amazing restaurants and chefs and uh you know we do well like i i look back and i was like yeah we we just kind of had some the stars just lined up for us and 
We got it. And we're very thankful for this day, for sure. We're very humble. Let's put it that way. So. Yeah, you, you touched on, on a, f- a f- few things there. I mean, w- one of the, the themes that, you know, I think a lot of people pick up if they talk to the right people, certain people within the industry, and probably a majority of people, is just how supportive the the Portland food scene, the Portland beverage scene is with each other. Because, you know, I, I guess the the idea is that if if you, you do well and you can help me do well, then we all do well is kind of the idea. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a good saying out there, and it's slipping mine. It's all like a rising tide floats all boats up like that you know what it is i think that's i think that's good. right yeah 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 i'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm, that's it i'm having a bit of bit of the the uh, the brain fog right now um you, you know um as i went back in preparation to to talking with you two today i wanted to make sure i didn't necessarily cover anything that you know eric got into when we had him on the first time um but we did talk about eric's kind of natural ability to just befriend people um yeah. and larry i gotta uh, say in, the, sh- in a short amount of time go ahead Oh, I said you're, you're 100% right, natural talent. As a matter of fact, if Eric hasn't been into a, an account for a bit and, I, and they're still ordering them by like email or phone and I go in, I mean, I'll get hounded. Like They're like, where's Eric? We haven't seen Eric. And we'll tell Eric hi. Tell him to swing in and say hi. Like, I haven't even told Eric this. We have an account. I, I, I don't even know why I didn't tell you this. I just set my mind. We had, I had an account um, that I was just telling somebody who's a neighboring business that I was, I, I, that I know. And I was like, yeah, she hasn't ordered from us in a long time. And since before COVID. And so he, he sent me a text. He goes, Hey, I just talked to her and she says she wants to order from you guys, but she doesn't want to order from you guys unless one of you has to come in and at least say hi to her. She wants to talk to one of you guys just to, just to catch up. And I was just like, you know, and honestly, Eric gets credit for that. You know, um, when I'm out doing stuff, I'm, I'm probably more business and focus and trying to get done and get home and get on the computer and get everything caught up. So Eric's definitely the guy that can stay, stay more time with him and talk. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. We, it's, it's almost like, uh, their feelings get hurt or something if we don't come in and it's, it's great. Like, and I'm not saying that's what it was, but it's, it's a great feeling to have that they like us that much that they want us to come in in person and talk to them. So it's great. I don't, well, know I, don't, I don't think I approach it as like a, a schmoozer, you know, like if somebody's busy, I'm not going to sit there and try and, you know, give them a, my elevator pitch. Like if they're running around, that's cool. Like here's a sample can and a, and a sales sheet. But ultimately I like going to spots and talking to them about what they're doing. You know, I like going to restaurants and, and looking, you know, eating as much as I can on a menu, whether or not it even fits uh, you know, our beer would fit with a program that they're doing. It's still um, just in general connecting with uh, with people in our industry doing really cool, really take. I mean, I'm in this because, yes, I love beer, but I love all things that are delicious. So I have uh, I, I guess maybe my my enthusiasm is what uh, resonates, at least with a lot of people, I hope. I think, you know, it, it's interesting. You, you said the word, because I, I didn't want to use it this time, the, the schmooze word. We had a big conversation the first time we had John <laughs> Eric about, about schmooze, because I think there can be some bad connotation with that, where you're, you're, you know, you're basically just trying to win people over and then sell them on something. Right. But anybody that has met you, Eric, uh, it just like you're such a genuine person. I, I have this thing like uh, going on with me. It's, it's kind of a weird, weird association is you look like a friend of mine. Who, remind, who, who reminds me of my brother who is who has since passed on and so when i see you i instantly have 
this weird connection to my brother, even though you don't necessarily look like him. Sure. And then your genuineness. I'm just like, oh, Eric's my brother. Just my mind makes this connection in my head. Yeah. And it comes from, I think, just you being genuinely curious uh, about people, what they're about, what they're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think there could be any, any better brand ambassador for Pono Brewing than somebody like Eric. Well, thanks. Yeah. So thanks, my brother. I mean, I do have a little bit of that ginger in the beard, so maybe that helps yeah, a little the, bit. The, there's a little bit of it, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's this weird thing. It's it's funny. I I, I talk with my wife about it because this friend, she I'm I'm just like you know I was I'm like hey, it just reminds me of Chris and she she's she can't see it. She never met him, um. But like, uh. So then then when I meet you and we've actually only met just a couple of times, Eric. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know we're Facebook friends and um you, you very much get your sense of personality through the the parts parts of your life that you choose to share and it, it, anyway it's just this weird association that I they start making and um so yeah so it sounds like you have somebody to go visit and larry to to, to pat you on the back I, I think this is part of the culture of pono brewing uh, i mean you, you're there enjoying a nice lunch because you decided to help you know straighten out their their beer cooler to make you know that you, you you didn't have to do something so it's not all business for you i think you you know you recognize what the the relationships are all about and um oh, I think yeah. that's you know it's, i think that's part of the reason why no, I was just going to say, I think that's part of the reason why people, w when you were in need, people wanted to help you because you would totally be willing to do the same. You know, here's, here's a little funny story. Uh, we've got uh, this new location right now uh, under construction, and it's just, we've had some really crazy things happen is, um, I, you know, you get this invoice that has all these subcontractors, um, uh other invoices that are you know that that show so it shows what this invoice is for and i'm looking at it like well there are some things that are missing or this person didn't submit anything you know we go to talk to the to the gc and he's like oh he likes you he didn't want to he didn't want to bill you and i'm like wait what and uh and then like we got another guy this old industry legend his name's bill is doing our draft lines and um I guess he's really not that talkative to a lot of people, but man, he's just, he's just so chatty with me and talks it up. And then like he had to order these replacement lines that, cause these other ones weren't going to work. And, uh, he sends me the invoice. I'm like, well, what's this bill? Like it's, it's this isn't very much. He's like, ah, I'm just going to just do it at cost and I'll do it for you. And it's just like everybody right now, it's same thing. Like we have some hoses that we were ordering this customer or this, uh, this business, they, they've never done business with Pono there. They follow us on social media and, um, they wanted to give us just this discounted rate because they wanted to support us and help us grow. And they're so excited for this new spot. And, and while I, I welcome any and all freebies. At the same time, I feel horrible because it's like, no, I mean, if you're doing the work, like you should be compensated. And uh, like there's this plumber guy that didn't want to invoice us at all. So like we'll be sure for uh, to uh, send him some, some, you know, gift cards or something for some food or beer as way, just a way of saying thank you. Because, um, you know, you still did the work. Something needs to be compensated. And I appreciate he likes us. It's just, you know. Um, but it, yes, we are very, very thankful. It's a tight knit community and, and just others helping others. Um, well, and I think a lot of that also stems from us having, you know, we sold our first beer about six years ago and now we finally have our own place to work on. And now we're, I mean, we've had how many other breweries reach out about, Hey, if you need anything, if you have any questions, please reach out. 
I mean, all of these guys who are, you know, from the guy building our booths to the, to the guys running our tap lines are like, I've followed you guys from these, you know, this, you had one beer, you know, you made a pineapple Kolsch in the middle of February. And then now we're at this point where we do have our own brew pub about to open and people are just so happy to see that not only did we make it through those first tough years and then make it through COVID, but now we're at a point where we can really kind of let our personality shine a little bit. I think a lot of people are excited to see what we do now that we're kind of a little more, um, you know, now that we actually have some resources. It's like everything we've done to this point is just, I mean, it's 50% sweat and hustle. Pausing just a moment here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, an institution, a Portland institution, Ringside Steakhouse. And get excited because now Ringside is open seven days a week, so you can join them for indoor and heated patio dining any day of the week. The hours are Monday through Thursday, 5 to 9, Friday, 4.30 to 9.30, Saturday, 4 to 9.30, and Sunday, 4 to 9. So everything's closed. Close to the same, but go on Ringside's website to check out the updated hours and, of course, uh, see about their prime rib three-course $48 special that is moving back to its historic Monday. Yeah, that's really great. I, I, that's one of my favorite things to get at Ringside Steakhouse. So uh, you can put that back on the agenda for a Monday night. And prime ribeyes by the case are back at Ringside. Ringside signature steaks are for sale on the website right now. Uh, they're available for pickup on Saturday, June 18th, which is Father's Day weekend. Don't forget that. Mothers, other people, and fathers. Yeah, Chris, we should also point this out. Not only can you get their great steaks, but if you love the way ringside seasons their steaks you can actually pick up the ringside signature house seasoning as part of this so do that I as have well some ringside steak salt that i had from a, a pack of beautiful food that i served at a party at my house uh not long ago and that ringside salt the the, the steak salt that yeah. they provided is going to last me for a couple of years i assume it's going to be good for that long very nice it's you great can, you can put it on steaks chops chicken and your vegetables why not so make those reservations on the website check out the hours on the website ringsidesteakhouse.com this would be a a great place for us to talk about um kind of that change when when we had you on you know four years ago eric uh, you talked about contract brewing i think that's the way you described it where because of various you know reasons i think one the primary one that you pointed out was uh your potential brewing site the the landlord didn't turn out to be you know what you wanted to be so it fell through um so you ended up contract brewing people can go listen to episode 165 if they want the full story um, but uh yeah so you you've uh, so is the new brewery up and running is the brewery part going is that where you're doing your brewing no we're so it's it's in the original uh it, it was the original laurelwood location over uh right by the hollywood theater on 40th and sandy so it was originally i think old world brewing was the name of it uh which only lasted a couple of years and then laurelwood got their start there and then eventually they moved you know, about a mile up the street and Columbia river brewing was the last brewery that was in there. Um, so it, which man, they haven't, they hadn't brewed in there for what, three and a half years, maybe Larry, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. It, um, 
Porno hazy. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, no sidetracked. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a bit. I gotta I gotta tell you, it's it's in shambles. Um, <laughs> it, you know, the the landlord would love to say he loves to call it a it's a turnkey location, it's a turnkey brewery. I mean, there was really nothing turnkey about this. I mean, the the key didn't even want to turn in the door lock. That's how bad it's, it was. Like you know, it's got it, good it, bones. They say it's yeah. got good bones. Ah, you yes. know, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, so, it's at least the main equipment is steel from the '90s. So at least yeah. that is. Yeah. Built so we are. Solid, you know. We are in the middle of a deep clean and scrub on the existing equipment, and then we are also doing a massive amount of updates and modifications and just making it to where we can make the styles that we want to make um i mean it's funny when looking at this place right now from when we first walked in it's got probably 75 percent of this place is all or i would even go even further and say 90 percent of this place is probably got all new floors or refinished floors like we had to replace the kitchen floor so you know brand new epoxy floor in the kitchen brand new epoxy floors in the in the brewery uh the the bathroom floors are getting worked on you know um actually starting on this weekend and uh the, the floors up front were all refinished like it's it, it we we went into this you know we found things that were that were unfortunate we didn't see in the beginning but it's fine the good news is when this is said and done this place is going to be immaculate it's going to be great um we're really trying to bring that community feeling back to it because i can't even you know just just sitting there working or there we get people who knock on the windows or come to the side door and trying to talk to us and, and they're just so excited you know to have something back in there and that's the community and then on top of that, all people who don't live in the community that will be coming to it. I mean, we're we're super excited to say the least. We can't wait for it to be open. We're going to do lots of events, beer release parties, just lots and lots of great stuff. And uh, it's 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 now a place where people can not only just have the Pono Bruins beer, but now they get to come and be in that vibe, that atmosphere, that culture of Pono that they you know love to be part of, and it's great. We're, we're so excited for it. And on top of that, we have so as we brew now, we're at. Speaking of breweries that have done a lot for us, uh, the the king of that mountain is uh, Zeugel House, absolutely, which is where we still do all of our production brewing. We have our two twenty barrel fermenters in there, um, but if you know, in order to maximize those, we have to do twenty barrel batches. So the new space is uh, a seven barrel system, and it is going to allow us. There's a lot of bre- beers that. Especially as a salesman, um, if I had 20 barrels of a brown ale or a red or an ESB, uh, sure, there's, I mean, I like drinking those beers and there's plenty of, you know, old school traditional beer drinkers or even people that are newly finding those styles. But in general, you're not going to go to most bars uh, and see an ESB. And if you do, you talk to the bartender and they're like, yeah, we put it on because we got our one guy who comes in and always tells us, Hey, I like reds. Why don't you ever put a red on? They're like, well, Jim, that's because you're the only one that buys it, you know, (laughs) but, but those are great beers. And especially if you go to a brewery and, um, you can kind of, you know, that's the thing is you see uh, a beer from ecliptic, you see a beer from gigantic, you see a beer, you know, from, from Stormbreaker, and you're like, Oh, I like that beer. And then you want to go to their brewery and see the full catalog of what they can actually do. Um, this is going to give us a chance to finally make beers 
not just that we want to make, but really nerd out and push ourselves as far as, um, you know, certain styles or even just like mixed fermentation or, you know, Larry's brewing knowledge is so vast. And yet half the time we're either making a hazy IPA or our pineapple Kolsch. So this gives that flexibility um, to really, you know, show off Larry's skills as well as um, get to, we get to be creative, like really creative for once. So that leads leads me to a a question. It's actually kind of a two-parter one for Larry and then one for you, Eric. So uh, for you, Larry, you you mentioned this earlier when you were talking about being a brewmaster at a place, but just not getting enough time in there. That that actually stood out to me because I don't think that, that uh, kind of uh, a lot of people realize, you know, what it takes to be a, a true brewmaster, which is a lot of, exper- I don't know if exp- experimentation, but a lot of time in, in that brewery doing your craft. And if you don't get that time, then it's hard to do it. So I guess that would be the same with any profession, whether you're an athlete or, or whatever, if you're not given the opportunity to actually do it, you're not getting better at it and you either grow frustrated or you grow rusty. So um, how, how important is being in the brewery as a brewmaster? Oh, it's, it's super important. So to clear to clarify my previous experience, you know, I was just a brewer. That's, you know, there, there was brewmasters at these locations and the brewmaster totally is the one that design. He's the one who lays out the schedule, what's being made, the recipes before I was just, you know, um, the guy that did what was, I was told. And so now, um, while typically like the word or title brewmaster, a lot of times comes with the education, you know, I'm, I'm self-taught or taught by on the job training kind of stuff. So there are, there are those out there who, um, who actually have earned that title by going to school. A good example would be Alan Taylor of Zuggle House Brewing Company because he went to, to one of the brewing schools in Germany. And uh, But with that, with that said, it's it's critical to be in the brewery. Um, you know, there are, there are, you know, we talked about gigantic, and we'll even bring up Breakside, two breweries that are, we're very close with. And, uh, you know, Ben over at Breakside, while he may not be making the beer every day. He still makes the point to at least get in there and, and brew a batch. You know, I, I, I believe he told me it was like once a month. I think it's a minimum. He does. He tries his best to do it. And you know, I'm not saying you get rusty or you forget things, but you're just not as connected. And honestly, as you're kind of like an artist and, you know, an artist should do his own painting. It doesn't, I mean, it's one thing to teach others to do, how to paint and, and paint in that style, but it still should be you that has that, you know, that touch on it. So, um, it's critical. Oddly enough, Eric's talking about a red, you know, when the brewery first opens up, when we go to brew our first batch, you know, our first few batches are going to be these test or trial batches where we just, it's all about running numbers, make sure all the calculations and everything, uh, are adding up and it, and it works out to where we want it. And one of the very first beers that we're going to make is a red. Uh, we're just because it's a super simple recipe and we can, you know, we can get our our numbers that way when we check for efficiencies and everything else, flow rates. Anyways, my point is, um, yeah, it's critical. I miss, I actually miss being in the brewery. You know, we're so production based right now. And the funny thing is, because we, we're you know we share that space with Zoigel House, there's a massive expansion going on. So it's no longer going to be 20 barrel batches. Yeah, I mean, I think they just got in like 120 barrel fermenters. They're having to get another brew house in just to keep up. So now there's going to be two brew houses there, 
plus all these new fermenters and really are like, like Eric was saying, our, our, our hazies and our pineapple express are just our big production beers. It allows us to make these on a larger scale. So we're actually going to seek out distribution agreements for going out of state up in Washington, Idaho, Northern California, Hawaii, um, those places. But, um, this new place, man, it's, I like the joke and call it Pono's playground. It's just, it's it, it's it's truly gonna be fun. Like we're gonna do a lot of sciencey, nerdy stuff, but we're definitely gonna just have fun and play around with the artsy side of it as well. And, and uh, you know, naturally when we get when we first get started, it's it's about getting beer made uh, to to have that on tap. But once we have the enough beer that's on tap, like yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna be filling barrels for just a lot of barrel aging product for mixed fermentation stuff to just non mixed fermentation stuff, and. Um, it's going to be fun. It's uh, it's not going to be anything like a production-based brewery at all. And uh, it's not going to be a grind or anything like that. It's it's just, I mean, it'll be work, but it's just, you're not like punching a clock and, you know, and get beer made as fast as much as you can at a production facility. It's just definitely going to be art, artsy-fartsy kind of stuff. We're going to have a great, great time doing it, and we're going to play around and do a lot of collaborations with a lot of places that love us and um, maybe we can do some collaborations with people who don't love us. Who knows? My point is, yeah, it's it's great. We actually, <laughs> we actually had a we had a brewery in New Zealand. Actually, I don't even told I told Eric this. Um, it's because it's on the back burner. But there's a brewery in New Zealand that reached out to me, and uh, courtesy of uh, John Lovegrove, who's a guy that we made a beer for in his name in his honor, uh, called John the Kiwi, and uh, one of our fastest selling beers we've ever made. But he definitely played a role in that. Um, and so we had a, a brewery in New Zealand that that knows John, and and because uh, he was a very well known radio personality back in the day down in New Zealand, and uh, they want to they're coming up here and want to do a collaboration, and uh, which is great, you know. I know you know you know intercontinental, uh, you know collaboration it'll be, it'll be a fun time and these are the things that we have this for so put pono on the map you know uh we're so production focused at the moment it's just so great to now play around and have these small one-offs you know these one-offs can easily be big production beers too that's that's ultimately our goal is with more tank capacity um if we knock it out of the park on some of these that can be made on a large scale we're definitely going to do that but we're going to keep a lot of things there small scale too that just the artistic side of things you know those are the ones we're going to definitely keep there on the smaller scale hands-on uh you know just that culture that the pono uh vibe and culture is going to be in that beer because we're touching it every day so it's gonna be great we're, we're i'm excited I know, like, Eric and Byron, the other guy, he, uh, they'll be out, I, I won't be out in the field, and we're really doing, helping on that stuff. I'll be basically there full-time, and, um, but it's great. We're growing. It's so weird, like, we're hiring people right now, and these are things that Eric and I have talked about now for, like, I don't know how many years, like, well, there'll, there'll be a day, and all of a sudden, it's just, like, realistically, like, it's happening, and some of these people are applying, because they just, they just love our beer, or brand, you know, and it's great to have that feeling when you hear them say that, and uh, they've been following us on social media or something. And um, so, yeah, Pono is it's it's good right now. It's going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot different company within a year or less. You know, it's it's a lot well, of even, things are coming. There's a big shift. So we we signed with a distributor who um, goes down to Corvallis, Eugene, Redmond Bend. Uh, sisters, and so I've been able to 
you know, start kind of going to those uh, regions to sell the beer. And as opposed to every other way that I've done in the past is, oh, well, where's your brewery? Where can I, where can I go try your stuff? And when you explain, oh, we're a brewery and we operate within another brewery and it's just such a complicated, right. and especially unless you are a beer nerd, you don't really care about those details all that much. You, you're like, oh, the beer's good, great. But when I get to tell people, yeah, we've been around for six years and we're currently taking over the original Laurelwood location uh, and we'll be open in July... It's just, it, it just, we, it, we seem more real to people to talk about ourselves as having our own location. Sure. And it has definitely shifted. Uh, I like I can read people and I see it in their eyes when I'm like, oh yeah, we're here and we're doing it this way through these people. Instead, it's like, nope, here's our spot. Here's what we're getting ready to do. And all of a sudden they're just like, oh, very cool. Nice. Oh, I'll have to come check you out. So it's it's kind of like the analogy, and maybe this is a bad analogy, but um, early on, and, and Chris actually, uh, uh, our, our normal host, could re- relate to this when he first started working. Well, I wouldn't remotely. call him normal, but yeah, we, right. Uh, the, the usual, usual guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. When when he started first working from home, working remote, it was you know the mid '90s, which was a very foreign thing for someone to do in the mid nineties to the point where he's told me, he's like, he had to pretend like he was in an office with people so that they didn't think it was (laughs) weird. And, and for you kind of the same thing where trying to explain to people what you you guys have been doing with this contract brewing, where he actually didn't have a home brewery, um, you know, people's brains just kind of don't, they just don't connect with it because it's not part of the normal. And, and I guess, um, you know, moving into your own space allows you to have, have that home base that people will be able to wrap their brains around. And then probably to, you know, to Larry's point, you know, you'll, you'll be able to do kind of a little of everything. You can do the small batches while you're still doing the larger batches. Um, you can kind of do everything you've wanted to do. Yeah. Right. You know, you actually said a couple things and one of the things that just, you know, it rings so true in this. So use the word contract brewing. So by definition, we were actually contract brewing for the first uh, year, maybe two years. And then just because Eric, you know, a lot of the beer bloggers and writers and or just, you know, hardcore Uber, Uber beer nerds, uh, they didn't really want to give us attention. We just we would always get looked over just because we were a contract brewery. So we we spent a ton of money. Like we we actually uh, went to change our licensing format to to be a fully full blown licensed brewery and through what's called an alternate proprietorship agreement. And the OLCC is like okay, and then they then they came back after we were already needing this process later. And was like, oh no, it's not legal. You can't do this. We we're scratching our heads saying, oh, it's been done in the past. We don't understand how you say that, but we don't want to throw any of the breweries under the bus and come to find out some of these guys we talked to weren't necessarily doing it you know the right way right and uh, so eric and i like we in a time when we were still growing and struggling to pay bills we just we made it a purpose we felt like we had to prove people we were worthy we are we are here to stay we're not you know we're not going anywhere and so we got our license changed and um and it's a, a brewery license and even then like oh but you're sharing space and it was still happening. People were, people, there are still some out there who feel like we're not a brewery or we weren't, 
we weren't a just a regular brewery um, just because Larry's not in the brewery every day doing every single thing, it's, which is funny because I don't know of any brewery owner, even any brewmaster who does every single thing. There's yeah, ben, ben Edmonds himself is in there making every single breakside beer that has ever come out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, you know, it's, it's so like with this, like, I've joked and said to Eric, for those that still just want to ignore us or just not acknowledge us or hate us, like with this, if that's still happening, then why should we even care anymore? Like, honestly, we kind of don't care anymore, but, but why would we care when we're doing all this? And it's, I mean, it's not for them. We're not doing this for them. We're doing this for us and our fans, the people that love us. But, um, at this point, like, yeah, we, we've worked our, our, can I, can I say uh, the A word? You, okay. you can say whatever you want, Larry. We worked our ass. <laughs> <laughs> we worked our asses off to get to this point, and uh, long hours, long days. I mean, I Eric can tell you, I've had so many on the job injuries. Just my, I'm dealing with a busted up leg and knee right now, which is now. If I have to have surgery on this, it'd be my third knee surgery, but my second one since Pono's been open. Like this is. Yeah, I'm 48. This is this is not an old man's game, but you know what? We are we're here. We, you know, we're here to stay. I'm not, we're not quitting. And uh, honestly, when we get people who who don't want to write about us or hate us, it's for us just motivation. It's just like yes, well, we're doing something right. I guess you know, you're not, if you're not if you don't have any enemies, you're not doing something right. I think is how it works. But uh, but yeah, it's uh it's been a long journey, but we're definitely excited. And we and then after this is done. We're not. It's not like Eric and I are packing our bags and retiring. Like when this is done, uh, our next step is a full-blown production facility of our own, and then um, you know who. We'll see. I don't want to make promises on what's after that. Depends on how that works, and hopefully, there's no other pandemics that cause problems. And if not, yeah, we definitely are going to want to keep growing. <laughs> if, if we're going to be facing more pandemics, I don't know. Eric and I might be like, it's time to retire. Ah, we're just used to all that stuff. It's like there's another war going on. There's another pandemic. Throw a recession in there. It's fine. Sure. Just, we're just flash back 100 now. years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's what it feels like. Right. Uh, are, are you seeing any, um, speaking of the pandemic, which is, you know, obviously caused you, forced you, allowed you to, to, to go into cans and, uh, you know, start canning. Um, I'm assuming that will that continue? Um, uh, that, that part won't go away? Oh, a hundred percent. We're, 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 we're locked in on that. That is, uh, that's one of those, uh, blessing in disguises, as they say, having to, you know, commit to that. I mean, having to, uh, design a bunch of labels and, and again, because of our amazing Zeugel house relationship, they had already, before it was hitting, they were using craft canning and then, they, as part of their ongoing expansion, had bought their own canning line, ju- like just before the pandemic hit. So that showed up a few months, I think, after we had been uh, um, crowlering, you know, uh, our own our own beer by hand. Um, so we were able to make that shift, and from that, like Larry was saying about you know market of choice or uh, new seasons. It's like those guys with their focus on wanting to work with uh, regional producers, whether it's, you know, somebody who's making salsa in Silverton or or local breweries um, that was able to really spread the beer out a lot farther and beyond our, our normal footprint. And when you have people 
drinking your beer instead of people who most typically had been drinking our beer in, say, uh, Imperial Bottle Shop. And they sit down and, you know, it's going to be more more of a nerdier drinker who um, then you get into people checking in on Untapped, which is like, you know, Yelp for beers. Um, you get people really just being way more hard hitting on your reviews as opposed to uh, all of a sudden there's a bunch of people who are in lockdown or shelter in place drinking our beers on their porch uh, with their neighbors. All of a sudden people were like, this beer is amazing. I, I love these guys. How do I find more of them? Um, so it, it, it's definitely, um, uh, we're definitely finding out which beers we should put into cans more right. than others or, uh, or limiting, uh, the level of how much in draft and how much in can that we do. But that package product really does, um, reach, uh, a lot more people and a lot more of the people who are, who I think fit, uh, the, the beer drinkers we're even reaching out to, uh, a little better. So. Gotcha. Is there a timeline on the, on the brew pub space? I know you said you, it's got a lot of work, but well, July, I actually, it's probably going to be beginning of August. Okay. So it's, it's <laughs> just being realistic. Just, just yeah. the way, you know, it's one OLCC is one thing. Uh, the city of Portland, AKA the city that works, right. You know, you know, so we'll see. I, I yeah. mean, I'm just being realistic. If it's open sooner, yes, fantastic. But um, I don't want to make false promises. We already, it's funny, we made these banners and Eric and I are like, oh man, let's be careful what we put on the, on this poster on the on the window uh, because we don't want to say we're going to be open on a certain day right. if it doesn't, right? And so we were very careful on not putting a certain day. And so we put spring because we were like, yeah, you know, well, then we got into this and saw how much more work needed to be done. Well, I don't know. When's the first day of summer, technically? Next week. The 21st. Yeah. All right. Well, spring. It's not, not spring. <laughs> so, like, that's my whole point is, like, we've already overshot everything we thought. So, um, knowing how that's worked, maybe, maybe August at this point. I don't know. Our, like, our, our summer. happy as a clam if it's before. Yeah, yeah, it's still very spring-like outside. Our summer doesn't get here till July anyway, so there's there's some fun especially there. this year. We're yeah. we're in the midst of a full January. That you know, this was the first year I've heard the January term. It may have been around before, but like when that popped up, it was like, holy cow, yeah, no, this is this is ex- extraordinarily wet. Hey, um, but you know what? I'm I'm feeling every time I start to get a little down, I think of how rain rich we we are compared to oh. you know, there's fires in I mean there's fires outside Flagstaff right now. Yep. New Mexico, California it has been on fire year round for like a couple years. Colorado. I'm like if it's going to be if our problem is rain, that's fine. I'll just snowboard more. Yeah, there there you go. That's a, that's a bad <laughs> problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I don't want to take too much of your time. I know you guys are kind of hitting me up during your lunch break. Um, I, I could talk to you guys for for a while while here. In fact, Eric, I, one of the things I wanted to talk about, um, but maybe we say for the next time when you're a four time returning champion here to the podcast. <laughs> oh, man, is, I, 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 I think we need to give people the know. yeah the rundown of your stolen motorcycle because I don't think that has ever been addressed <laughs> on pad, podcast form. But it was one of the one of the great great things that happened. I guess it was last year, 2021, or was that in 2020? It's all that was uh, that was 2020. 
20, wow, okay. Yeah. So maybe yeah. it's old news to, to, to some people, but uh, when we have you back on, Eric, we're going to talk about the, the motorcycle. The saga. Um, I love it. Yep. I mean, All if right. you do, uh, you, too, I you appreciate better it. give a shout out to the guys that are fixing it, for sure. They've been helpful to you, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, you too. All right. Thank you so one. much. I appreciate you talking right. to us. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right